right now, I believe we have a once-in-a-generation opportunity to redefine the way we work and live, to redefine productivity. And it has to start with a mindset shift to build sustainable standards of excellence. We need to make the connection between employee well-being and peak performance. There is no trade-off. When you take care of yourself, you are much more able to lead, to be more creative, more empathetic. We have to maintain that growth mindset of constantly learning. And all these things are very easily depleted when we are running on empty. Great companies are all about the people. Good people become great leaders, mentors for work and life. Welcome to Learnings from Leaders, the PNG Alumni Podcast. I'm Andrew Darvin, humor engineer. And I'm Roman Segel, recovering marketer. Andrew and I both got our start at PNG, the Procter and Gamble company, where we both had the opportunity to work with some amazing people. And as you may know, many leaders across industries got their start at PNG. In this series, through conversations with fellow PNG alums, we have to go deeper with the leaders you already know but want to know more about how they got their start, how they make it work, and what keeps them going. It's kind of like bringing a microphone to a cup of coffee, or in my case, hot chocolate. On today's show, our conversation with Ariana Huffington, founder and CEO of Thrive Global, and Debbie Majoras, P&G's chief legal officer and secretary. The two sat down for a candid chat on how to thrive at the recent P&G Alumni Network Global Conference. But first, we want to share an amazing giving opportunity to support International Women's Day with the P&G Alumni Foundation. As you may know, the PNG Alumni Foundation creates economic empowerment opportunities around the world, providing marginalized communities sustainable paths to prosperity. As a registered nonprofit with hundreds of volunteers around the world, the PNG Alumni Foundation provides grants each year to amazing organizations, powered by contributions in PNG people like you and me. The PNG Alumni Foundation is creating re- real, impactful economic empowerment opportunities for women in local communities across rural Africa and Asia, in urban Mumbai and Cincinnati, and so many other amazing and deserving programs around the world. And to support this International Women's Day, the PNG Fund is matching up to $50,000 for all new donations to the PNG Alumni Foundation. Join the foundation and the Women's Leadership Forum to break the bias and support women's work around the globe. Thanks to the generosity of the PNG Fund. All donations of any size will be matched dollar for dollar. No donation is too small or too big. It's never too late to start giving back. Your donation is tax deductible and through the power of PNG people will uplift women around the world. Visit pgalums.com slash donate to help this great cause. But let's get back to our very special conversation with Ariana Huffington. Here's a quick bio. Ariana Huffington is founder and CEO of Thrive Global, a firm centered on health and wellness information. Ariana was also the co-founder of the Huffington Post, the author of 15 books, one of Time's 100 Most Influential People, and Forbes' Most Powerful Women, among numerous other honors. In 2011, AOL acquired the Huffington Post for $315 million, where Ariana became president and editor-in-chief of the Huffington Post Media Group, which included the Huffington Post, AOL Music, Engadget, Patch Media, and Stylist, where she served until 2016. Ariana currently serves on numerous boards including Uber, Onyx, and Global Citizen. Ariana's last two books, Thrive, The Third Metric to Redefining Success and Creating a Life of Well-Being, Wisdom, and Wonder, and The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time, were both instant international bestsellers. In Ariana's chat with PNG's Debbie Majora, the two discussed our once-in-a-generation opportunity to redefine the way we work and live, the necessary mind shift that employee well-being can drive peak performance, which ultimately builds sustainable standards of excellence. We hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Ariana Huffington from the PNG Alumni Global Conference. It's great to be here. 
and always fantastic to be with um, my very good friend, Ariana Huffington. Ariana, thank you so much for being at PNG once again. Thank you so much, Debbie. It's so great to be with you and uh, with so many alums from PNG through the years. Well, Ariana, I am quite sure that when you started Thrive Global in 2016 with the vision of ending the, the burnout epidemic, you were not anticipating that just four years later, the world would be thrust into a viral pandemic. But here we are, and your work at Thrive is more relevant than it ever has been. And since you and I first met, I have found your personal story of why you had this vision to be so powerful. Could you share that with, with the PNG alums today? Yes, absolutely. So my wake-up call I came in 2007, two years into building the Huffington Post, the divorced mother of two teenage daughters. I had completely bought into this collective delusion that in order to be super founder and super mom, I had to burn out. That was just the price that I had to pay. I didn't have the luxury to take care of myself. So on May 6, 2007, I collapsed. I hit my head on my desk, broke my cheekbone. And as I went from doctor to doctor, from echocardiogram to MRI to find out what was wrong with me, did I have a brain tumor, uh, did I have a heart defect, I was literally diagnosed with burnout. And in 2007, burnout was not uh, the concept and the word um, that it is today. You know, it, people were not talking a lot about it. So that started my own exploration of burnout. And I realized that it wasn't just my personal problem, that it was a global epidemic. And I started covering these issues at the Huffington Post pretty exhaustively. By the time I left in 2016, over 50% of our traffic was coming from these issues. And in 2014, I wrote a book called Thrive, where I delved deeper into them, and then a book on sleep to explore even further that uh, very uh, underrated part of our lives. And by 2016, I really felt, Debbie, that I didn't just want to raise awareness. I wanted to help people change behaviors. And that meant leaving the Huffington Post and launching a product company, a behavior change product company. And as you know, we work with companies around the world, including P&G, to help their employees adopt healthier habits through micro steps. I know you love micro steps, yes, tiny little incremental daily steps that become healthy habits cumulatively and storytelling. Well, let me say the world is a better place for it, Ariana, for sure. You've, you've inspired a lot of us with those micro steps and, and just with your vision. I can assure you that sleep is the favorite part of my day. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so here we are, though, and you've talked about how the pandemic has exposed or even increased the unsustainable ways of working that people are still using and, and unsustainable ways of just living that are fueling the burnout. What can we learn uh, from this? Well, 
the pandemic, which has been an incredible time of grief and losses and disruption, is also a catalyst, Debbie. You know, you and I have been talking about these issues for many years now, and you know it is very hard to change behaviors, both at the individual and at the corporate levels. But a crisis is also a catalyst. So right now, I believe we have a once-in-a-generation opportunity to redefine the way we work and live, to redefine productivity. And it has to start with a mindset shift where we realize that in order to build sustainable standards of excellence, sustainable is the key word, we need to make the connection between employee well-being and peak performance. There is no trade-off. It's not like you have to choose between the one or the other. When you take care of yourself, when you put, as we say, your own oxygen mask on first, you are much more able to lead, to manage, uh, to be more creative, more empathetic. And at the moment, no leader is doing maintenance. We have to constantly be alert of the changes that are happening, what lies around the corner. Uh, We have to be empathetic as we are building inclusive cultures. Uh, We have to maintain that growth mindset of constantly learning. And all these things are very easily depleted when we are running on empty. Well, it's so fascinating, Ariana, because you and I have talked about the fact that you feel very strongly also when we look at environmental sustainability, that if if you're so if you're busy burning out yourself, you're probably not paying a whole lot of attention to the fact that you're also burning up the planet. And and it is really quite fascinating when we think about the issues that we really are focused on as companies now, the sustainability of our world and and, and a lot of issues you mentioned inclusion. And yet the sustainability of our greatest asset sometimes drops to the bottom. And as you say, it's got to start with us individually, without question. Leaders leaders who don't take care of themselves will end up with teams who don't take care of themselves. And I think while we know it intellectually, sometimes it's just hard to, hard to let it sink in and hard to put it into practice. Well, Debbie, that's why I love the way you are role modeling it for your team. Uh, As you know, I'm passionate about role modeling because if leaders don't role model, it's very hard to expect their teams to practice these micro steps and these new behaviors. And when uh, you started role modeling these behaviors during the proxy battle at PNG, I love a lot of the things that you said. Like you said, in the past, during a a time of extreme stress, you would have felt, oh, I deserve to eat this whole bag of goldfish or have an extra glass of wine. Instead, you decided you would take this moment of extreme stress and double down on your well-being habits. Now, that's a choice we have. And we all know that we are never going to eliminate stress from our lives but we can prevent stress from becoming cumulative. And that's why we like to embed all these micro steps into the workflow, into what we're doing every day, every moment, like you are on Teams or you are on Zoom, you can download a 60-second Thrive Reset to remind you to take deep breaths or what you are grateful for or get up and stretch 
so that you can interrupt the cycle of stress. Mm -hmm. And that makes me very optimistic, actually, Debbie, because, you know, you and I are both passionate on the fact that everything we are saying has to be data-driven and science-based. This is not like warm and fuzzy uh, well-being suggestions. Uh, These are all proven to work. And so the fact that neuroscience now tells us that it takes 60 to 90 seconds to course correct from stress is incredibly inspiring because we can all embed the 60 to 90 second moments into our day. While if you tell people, you know, you need to meditate for 20 minutes, which I do, trust me, I'm all in favor of it, but it may seem daunting to people who don't have the time to manage the things already on their plate. So that's why we believe in starting small, in starting wherever people are. And Debbie, the other thing that's so exciting about PNG is that you kind of own the world's habits. You know, you reach 5 billion people where they live every day in their daily habits, washing the dishes or washing their hair or brushing their teeth. And neuroscience tells us that habit stacking, stacking a healthy habit on top of an existing habit is one of the fastest ways to adapt healthy habits. So one of the things we love doing together, and we're doing it now with uh, with FemCare and the Always You app, is, as, is bringing that to your consumers, not just to your employees. So why, let's say, you are you have your period tracker in the Always You app, you are also given Thrive Micros to help you set boundaries with your phone and be able to sleep or remember what you're grateful for or hundreds of other ways that you begin to practice these healthy steps. Yeah, and one of the things that I love about a lot of the steps, Ariana, and one of the things that that I really changed when what you referred to in 2017 when I decided, hey, I'm getting too old to just like handle every crisis by letting go of all the healthy habits. I've got to actually double down. And what you learn is the power of your mind. So, so if I and, and and you know I'm a planner right by nature. So if I said to myself when I get up and I'm going to get on this plane and crisscross the country and meet with investors, say to myself, I'm going to eat the following things today. I'm going to take a walk when I have this break. You know, and you just and you just put it in your mind, and it's it's amazing how it happens as opposed to letting it take you on the journey, right? Letting it take you. No, staying staying in control. And that's one of the things I wanted to hit on with respect to this pandemic and the way it changed the way we work. And I think some positives come out of it. But the negative, the tough part for a lot of people was when suddenly there was no boundary between home and work. You know, people had a natural boundary before that was kind of set for them, right? So you're in your commute, you're home, you can start to take your stress level perhaps down a notch, well, depending on traffic, and then you get home and you're in just a completely different place. And so you've changed both in time and in space. That went away for people. And people on my team and all around had an incredibly hard time sometimes setting those boundaries. And so we had to talk a lot about actually setting them very consciously. So what do you think about that for the future? What does that tell us about the future? And what does it tell us about the future of how we might work? So what it tells us is 
setting these boundaries has to become very conscious and we have to start small. Because in my experience and all the data proves it, when we start big, like big New Year resolutions, we may do it for two, three weeks and then we break them. So starting small, my favorite micro step about boundaries, Debbie, is to pick a time at the end of your day that you declare the end of your working day. And I say that you have to declare it because the truth is there is no end to our working day. I can say with certainty, there's nobody here listening uh, that can come to a point at the end of the day and say, I'm done. Everything I had to do is done. I don't have anything left. And actually, if there is anybody in the audience who can say that, I recommend you change jobs. Uh, because it means your job is no longer interesting enough. <laughs> so let's assume nobody can say that. You have to declare it. And uh, I declare it by turning off my phone and charging it outside the bedroom. It doesn't matter what time it is, whatever time you pick. I apologize for the noise. I'm in Soho in New York and it's pouring with rain right now. <laughs> and, it's, and it's coming down my my window. So that's what the noise is, in case you're wondering. But anyway, use it to distress. You know, the, the noise of rain falling is very distressing. So I turn off my phone, I charge it outside my bedroom and separate myself from what is basically the repository of every problem and every project I'm dealing with. And then you know everything will be there in the morning. And if somebody needs to reach you, as I'm sure somebody needed to reach you during that um, long proxy battle, Debbie, what I recommend is that you get a flip phone. So they can always reach you. But if you have people trying to reach you on your regular phone, which is really not a phone, it's a nuclear weapon, you know, that contains also not just projects and problems, but temptations. You can find yourself if you wake up in the middle of the night and it's on your nightstand and you can't go right back to sleep, trying to entertain yourself or deal with your boredom by scrolling down social media or doom scrolling the news. And then it's empty time, it's empty calories, and you don't give yourself the time to recharge. So that's why I don't really want to rely on my willpower, Debbie. I want to organize the world around me to minimize how much I depend on my willpower. If my phone is next to me, I'm going to go to it, no matter what my brain tells me. It's, it's great advice. If you read the book, Willpower, it actually talks about the fact that willpower is like a muscle. It can be exercised to make it stronger, but it also gets tired. And yes. so just exactly what you said, you have to take away some temptation. So, and I agree with you, you know, my husband and I, when we were both working at home, would sometimes say, you know, we'll meet at six o'clock in the living room. <laughs> that will be, that will be our place away from it all. And it was actually kind of fun. And, but it did give us that, okay, we're done now. We're breaking that off. But realistically, to be able to do that, I find we need to do two things. We need to be able to 
uh, relentlessly prioritize during the day the things that have to be done that day <laughs> and also get comfortable with incompletions. There will always be incompletions. As long as the incompletions are not the priorities, you are okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the leader's role in this and enabling employees on their micro steps on ending their burnout. Because if you declare the end of your workday and then your boss is sending you emails at 10 o'clock at night when you are trying to get ready for bed and you know that that is the habit, it makes it a little bit harder for people to say that truly their day their day is done. So do you have advice for leaders on how to better enable their employees' well-being? Absolutely. So first of all, we are all working within teams. So there will be times when somebody has to be always on. It doesn't have to be the entire team. <laughs> And the truth, Debbie, is nobody minds what they have to do occasionally. Uh, if we have to ship a product at Thrive or we have to deliver on a partnership, people may have to work around the clock, uh, go the extra mile. But then what we do is we give people what we call Thrive time. As soon as this project is complete, take time to recharge. Don't just continue working. So that makes people feel excited that they delivered a great project. Then they recharge and return to work renewed and refueled. Mm -hmm. What happens now is that people keep working. That's the time they're most likely to get sick. That's the time they're most likely to make bad decisions. We need to recognize that when we're depleted, we make bad decisions. Yeah. It's just a matter of fact. Yeah. No, I think it's great to remember that. And as you know, we've recently at PNG declared that we are going to refocus on employee well-being. We thought, just as you say, this is just a time in our lifetime to think about this coming out of this pandemic. We were super focused on physical health and keeping our employees safe for all of this time going on two years. And while we were doing that, Mental health for many people suffered because of the, some of the issues that we've talked about, the difficulties in boundaries, the difficulties in having like all of your responsibilities, family, home, and so forth, all there in your view all day long. And so we decided to make a declaration from leadership on through the company, and we've done that. And one of the things that people are saying is just so empowering is just having leaders Talk about the fact that they care. <laughs> just having them, you know, don't just start a meeting with, hey, how you doing? Start a meeting with, tell me how you're doing. Yeah. Tell me how I can help. How can I support? And I think that that in and of itself helps people in this in this journey. And also, it just, especially when people aren't together physically, establishes a human connection, which you've also talked about being so powerful for us and so important in our well-being. Absolutely. And that's why, actually, Debbie, we just launched two new programs at Thrive. One is around onboarding, uh, because a lot of companies are onboarding a lot of new people. And the moment of onboarding is a great moment to embed these well-being practices, because People want to belong. They want to be part of the culture they are just entering. So this onboarding program starts with an entry interview. 
where the manager asks the new employee, what is important to you outside of work? And how can I support you? And it's game changing. You have people who suddenly feel, oh, I'm safe to bring my whole self to work. I'm safe to say that every two weeks I have a 6 p.m. physical therapy appointment because I have a frozen shoulder or uh, that I have to take my daughter to school at 7 a.m., whatever it is. People are dealing with so much, with children, with elderly parents, with their own health issues. And we've all been brought up for decades believing that we have to keep all that separate. That's your personal life and then it's your professional life. And now we're realizing that when we don't address them, they become mental health problems. The truth is that we need to start addressing all these mental health problems earlier. We need to go upstream and address stress triggers before they become depression and anxiety. And the other program we just launched is around the great resignation, which is affecting all companies. But we're calling it the great reevaluation because what we are finding in the data is that there are three main reasons that people are leaving their jobs. One is burnout. The other is driven by working mothers who've been carrying the mental load of managing homes, children, and jobs. But the other is something very interesting that we've observed, which is a lot of people who have for years have thought work defined them, are now looking at a larger definition of themselves. And yes, they want to do a great job, but they don't want to be defined by their job at the expense of their health, their happiness, their family. And so obviously this is a personal exploration for people, but companies can provide a context in which this conversation can take place. So we are in the middle of a huge cultural transformation and leaders in each company have a huge role to play because this transformation cannot happen without cultural permission. <laughs> so Debbie, when you write about the micro steps you are taking and what you are doing, it gives your team cultural permission. We just launched Thrive at CBS Viacom and uh, when in the fireside chat, their CEO, Bob Bakish, said, I used to wake up in the morning and go straight to my phone. Now I live by the lake and I make myself a cup of coffee and I go to my porch for five minutes and um, decide what's the priority for the day. Remember what I'm grateful for. It's five minutes. And so it was amazing to see how people felt empowered and enabled to do something for themselves. Again, a micro step, yeah. but that's how we gradually build these healthier habits. Yeah. And it feels so good when you can take the right micro step in the middle of your work or in the middle of your routine. I know I feel so human. And I think the other thing about the human element here that I have found, Ariana, as I have talk to my own team, and then I've been asked to speak on my personal journey several times within the company, is when we as leaders show our vulnerability on these issues, it's very powerful for people. Even for example, you know, and you've heard me say this, I tell people that I'm a um, recovering control freak perfectionist. <laughs> and as you know, 
being a control freak perfectionist is so much burden, is so stressful, right? I mean, it's an illusion, right? We can never reach it, so it's dumb, but there's so many of us. I've literally had some people who are in tears when I talk about it because they want to be relieved of that burden too. They want someone who in their mind has achieved something to say, it's okay. <laughs> not only do you not need to be perfect, I don't want you to be perfect. <laughs> you think you're perfect, you won't make mis- you won't you'll be too afraid to make mistakes. You won't take smart risks. The stress of it will influence your performance to the bad. So I do think that when as leaders we can show our vulnerability and talk about this stuff as human beings as opposed to, hey, we're so successful, we got this. I mean, pff, BS. It is a constant working journey. Oh, I love that, Debbie. And uh, it's really the truth. We are all works in progress. No matter how much I talk about these things, I'm a work in progress. Absolutely never doing anything perfectly. And when we share these stories, that's why storytelling is such an important part of this journey. Uh, When we share these stories, when I hear your story, when you hear my story, when we hear other stories, it reinforces us on this journey. And Debbie, as you have written, it's a journey. It's not an item on your to-do list. So uh, let's enjoy the journey. It's very important for all of us. I'm sure everybody here is kind of a little type A, uh, driven, successful. It's so important to realize that by also taking care of ourselves, we are making that journey sustainable for a long time. And because PNG is a company that focuses so much on planetary sustainability, it's important to make the connection between the two. Mm-hmm. When we are only operating on survival and fight or flight, uh, we are in the short term. And from that place, it's very hard to care about the planet. In fact, we have that saying at Thrive, burnt out people will keep burning up the planet. Mm-hmm. Because really, they just have to get through the day, Debbie. Yes. They can't think of what's happening to the icebergs or the polar bears. So I'm totally convinced that when actually we make our lives more sustainable, we are going to be able to achieve a lot of the things we need to do to make the planet and our lives on the planet more sustainable. So that brings together purpose and giving and all the other things that are so important to you at PNG. So that completes the circle of the personal and the community and the planet. Yes. No, it absolutely does. And thinking of all of our employees and all the people around us as such important assets and resources, then of course, we wouldn't fail to to take great steps to sustain our machinery and our plants and so forth. The idea that we think we could run people into the ground, which I don't think we intentionally ever do, but if we're indifferent to it, that's not good either. You know, the other thing that we're living with, Ariana, as we get close to our end here. People are stressed by the rancor and divisiveness in societies today. And I'd get stressed too by that at times. And one of the things that I love so much as a microstep is the microstep that you and Joey have taught me about gratitude. Would you tell the group about what happens in your brain 
when you enter into a state of gratitude and why that's so important? So gratitude is the greatest antidote to anxiety, to stress, to worry. And that's why we need to practice gratitude as often as we can. And I love the fact that we can habit stack it. So anytime you are doing something that doesn't involve your mind, washing your hair, washing your dishes, uh, washing your hands, think of three things you are grateful for. If you look at the, um, at the science, it shows that in your brain, gratitude and fear and anxiety literally cannot coexist. So the more we practice it, the more automatic and natural it becomes. And even in the hardest times in our lives, there are things to be grateful for. We just need to focus on them. And, and then when you look at the divisiveness and the rancor in the world, Debbie, I would recommend two things. One is set a definite end time to consuming news. Sometimes we just lay in bed consuming news late into the night and our mind gets so stressed, we get anxious and it's much harder to go to sleep. So set a cutoff point. And after that time, don't consume any news. You know, it will all be there in the morning. That, that's not abdicating your responsibility as a citizen. Yeah. That's simply protecting yourself uh, so that you can wake up in the morning fully recharged, ready to take on any challenges that lie ahead. Well, that's really, that's great advice and really helpful. So speaking of gratitude, Ariana, it's always such a treat to be with you. And I think our entire group here is very grateful to you for taking time to join and to talk about these really important topics. So thank you, Ariana. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for all you are doing. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. For show notes about this episode, links to things mentioned, or requests for sponsorship, visit pgalums.com slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at pgalumpod. We'd love to hear from you. Learnings from Leaders is a production of the PNG Alumni Network, a global nonprofit founded by former PNGers committed to community, enrichment, and philanthropy. With more than 45,000 registered members worldwide, the network connects alums through global conferences, local chapters, industry events, and online content. Our nonprofit foundation supports economic empowerment communities around the world. To find out more, visit pgalums.com. That's it for this week. I've been Roman Segel. And I'm still Andrew Tarbin. Thanks for joining Learnings from Leaders, the PNG Alumni Podcast. We'll see you next time.